Welcome to It's Not That Deep with me, Lucy Woods, a mindfulness teacher, and me, Adrienne Kirk, a psychotherapist. Every episode, we discuss navigating the messiness of everyday life. We know it's a big subject, but we will do our best to discuss it lightly and make some sense of it all. In this episode, we're talking about why do we suppress emotions? And I think this is something that we can all relate to at times, um, that you know we've been in a situation where we haven't wanted to show that we're feeling sad or angry or whatever. We felt a need to kind of hold that back. Yeah, there's definitely some kind of embarrassment about crying in front of other people, yeah. particularly if we maybe don't know them very well or something like that. I think there's, I see it regularly in sessions, people are apologising for their emotions arising. And let's face it, we're dealing with people's emotions as the kind of core concept of, of the work that both of us do, aren't we? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I specialise in grief and loss, and you're right, people do come and apologise, but there's a big box of tissues in my room, and it's there for a reason. Yeah. Oh, yes, if I forget to get the tissues out, I often regret it, because I've suddenly got to fumble around. And I also, and I'm sure you're the same, you want people to take the tissues voluntarily yes. rather than thrust tissues upon people because what you're saying is stop crying. Yes, exactly. You know? I used to, when I taught medical students, I used to say that to them. You wait until somebody's in tears and then you offer them a tissue. You don't kind of, just as they look like they're going, kind of proffer a tissue in the hope that, they'll, that, they, that they won't. Yeah, at the point they're wiping their eyes without a tissue, that's yeah. the point where, you know, let, let's do that as a kindness. Yeah, so, so I think, I think there's, there's, um, there's degrees of suppressing emotion as well, right? So I, lots of us have been in a situation where, like you say, we don't know this person very well, we don't want to cry in front of them, or we're at work, so we don't want to kind of lose it whether that's anger or whether that's whether that's tears right but all the way through to you know at the other end of the extreme there are people there's now a siren Um, (laughs) I think we just have to go with that that's what happens when you live in a city right but the other end of the extreme there are people who have learned in early childhood not to express their emotions because that's dangerous and yes. a way of taking care of themselves is not to show anything. And then in in later life, in adulthood, that they have no way of being able to uh, recognise emotions or to to name them. They don't know what they're feeling, right? So that everything is very suppressed. But then it's just a permanent state of suppression. Absolutely, isn't it? a way of being. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just the way in which they live their lives, and that and that's a that's obviously a very extreme situation but actually there are quite a lot of people who wander around in that state yeah that and then you know on the one hand you kind of think oh these pers- these people are so in control of their emotions obviously one of the things that i teach is around emotional regulation and and that kind of thing you think well these people are so emotionally regulated because they don't kind of catastrophize or have hysterical outbursts or get really quick to anger or whatever but also perhaps there's something at the other end of the scale that's kind of missing too. Yeah, I think we can't choose which emotions we suppress. So if we if we don't allow ourselves to experience the feelings, then that's going to end up encompassing the happy ones as well. So so very often there's 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 a sense of those those people just being sort of slightly behind glass that there's a slight 
withdrawal and they don't they can't fully engage with happy as well as with sad and actually what you often find i think is that there will be outbursts at times um which seem to build up absolutely which seem to come from nowhere which they have no control over and no way of understanding and then that goes away again right so it's not it's not true that they are fully in control because we can't be these things come out somewhere and it's cumulative so if there's a lot of stress going on or something at some point there's a tipping point at which that valve opens yeah absolutely and and the and the gabal mate view of these things is that is that those things if we do sublimate our emotions massively then that can also then show up in in physical health problems along with mental health problems of course and i think what's interesting is that that kind of pressure valve or whatever for want of a better um analogy it's not the same with happiness happiness doesn't accumulate in the same way does no. it and there's not like a, a sudden oh, i've got to have a moment of joy because uh, you know it's all built up because of i suppose negativity bias we hold on to the unpleasant we let go of the pleasant very quickly yeah it's a shame that it can't actually if you're going to get one at least get the other yeah absolutely but but you know but that's the way our brains have evolved right yeah. so so uh, uh, happiness is really fleeting um, and it goes away really quickly, and which is which is to keep us driven absolutely to, to, to seek it again. Exactly, exactly. Which is what can lead to all sorts of um, addiction, addiction behaviours, yeah. right? Um, but which is not what this episode is no. about. But 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 to catch that fleeting high. Yeah. But if you don't, you know, which means that that I think that is kind of easier to suppress in in ways because because that serotonin hit is is so ephemeral. Yeah. Yeah, it's in and out and gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it served a purpose, didn't it? If we got pleasure out of food and that lasted for ages, we wouldn't keep going hunting for the food. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. So, so I think what we're saying here is very much around it's okay to feel the lows because then you get to feel the highs. And if you've suppressed it all, then maybe the highs aren't ever very existent. And actually um, showing emotion, allowing emotion to be there is a helpful thing in order for us to experience the good times too. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. That yeah. really important. Really important. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of what we do is is helping people to learn how to turn to the positive, to notice those moments of joy. You know, I think I think um, we can often think that happiness needs to be that huge. You know, big. Fireworks. Fireworks, yeah. absolutely. Whereas whereas actually there are moments, small quiet moments of joy that are that are really meaningful. And if we can learn to notice, notice yeah. and properly experience those, yeah. that's also that's also really powerful. It right? really supports our well being. All yeah. the studies show that that noticing of the pleasant and I, you know, I I've, we've talked about this before, but I talk about things like getting into bed at the end of the day yeah. or whatever. That's a move towards the pleasant, isn't it? Absolutely, we're yeah. moving away from suppressing emotion, but we're moving towards allowing, I suppose, emotion, mm. which is the opposite. Yes, um, I think there's something in. The reason, one of the reasons, obviously, if we're in public or at work, we don't want to show it. But I think it gets to the point, those of us that have experienced kind of really low mood or perhaps we're going through some kind of long-lasting difficulty like a bereavement or something, 
then I think there can be a tendency for people to think that, um, well, I know from the low mood stuff that I end up boring myself. Yeah. You know, that if I'm so fed up with this kind of, ugh, that I'm not going to show that around other people because they must be bored with me too. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really common, right? That that sense of, of you know... I've done I've I've said it enough and now it's tedious for everyone including me so I'm not going to keep saying it which you know is fine as far as it goes however if if there's no one to whom you can say these things then then they build up right that builds up in you and and then it's really hard to be able to experience moments of joy because if what you're doing is holding on to the negative you know and 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 working really hard at holding it down, you end up holding down everything. That's taking all your energy. You don't have space to notice anything else. And I think that's a, you know that that then is also problematic. So by, and by not sharing it, by not talking about it, you're holding on to it, aren't yeah. you? And Absolutely. and I think you know I was saying to you earlier. There's been times where I've had a thing, and I just need to to tell someone <laughs> that I'm feeling like that. Almost I don't even need anything back, but that's like a release valve yeah. to not be holding on to something that's huge um, without getting a bit of distance from it by verbalising it or, you know, writing it down actually can even be helpful for those that feel they can't share. Absolutely. Get it out somehow yes. rather than keeping it inside. I think, that's, I think that's really powerful. And I think there is... You know, it's not an unfounded fear that the person you tell is going to struggle with it. So I think there is something about picking somebody who can tolerate it, mm. who won't rush in to try and fix. And because I think that looking at it from the other side, if you're the if you're on the receiving end of somebody's sadness, then then there is a temptation to try and make it better rather than bear witness. And I guess as a therapist. A lot of what I do is bear witness to somebody's distress. Yeah. That that I can I can comfortably be with it. It's the compassion versus empathy yeah. thing again, isn't it? Absolutely. That, that movement towards wanting to relieve suffering. It's not helped when people rush in and go, Oh my god, I'm so sorry, or cry, or you know, empathise too much. Actually that can be really unhelpful. Yeah. So that ability to hold space for someone and, and like you say, yeah. be that and also not rush in with solutions, right? So, so it's a it's an extreme example. But I see clients who have been bereaved, and often their friends will be well-meaning and they want to make them feel better. But but then that comes with huge amounts of uh, of insistence. So they'll say, "Well, you ought to pack his clothes away. You ought to go out. You ought to. It's been six months. You really ought to engage properly with life again. You ought to redecorate. Claim the bedroom for yourself if it's a." Part. Do you know what I mean? And 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 so that that's piling guilt on as well. That oh, I I ought to be over this. Yeah, and I now. had a client a similar who's been bereaved who actually found themselves distancing a bit from mm. the family members that were pushing them into doing things they weren't ready to do yet, as yeah. if there is a definite timeline um, and a definite way it should be. Yeah. You know, and I think. The person or people doing that, 
think they're really being kind yes. and supportive and helpful and whatever. It's coming from a really good place. It's coming from a wanting, desperately wanting this person to feel better. Yeah. And we can't. We can't. Not, not to order. Yeah. So it takes as long as it takes you know so we we've but talked that's suppressing their emotion Absolutely. because you're actually saying to them the one you're showing yeah. is not okay yes. you need to change it and these are the things that might fix it and yeah. that just encourages someone to push down what they're feeling as if it's wrong or yes. faulty and that's half the problem isn't it that we think these big emotions particularly the negative ones we probably don't have the same associations with with the big outbursts of joy, although some people might think I'm a bit too extreme sometimes, um, but you know, um, <laughs> that encouragement, or, or those uh, words of support and help actually are not supportive or helpful. If they encourage people to negate what they're feeling, yes, or at least negate what they're feeling in public and suppress it. Absolutely, um, and I think the language around it's not helpful. So we talk about, negative feelings right yeah. so I tend to talk about pleasant and unpleasant feelings with clients mm. because they're not negative it, it 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 is how they're feeling it's a and and mostly it's an appropriate response to a situation exactly that's what I'm always saying is it proportionate yes you know and there's sometimes where perhaps they're not and in clinical depression and things like that it's a kind of a different ball game where you think the person themselves is thinking, I don't have anything to hang this on. But when there has been a bereavement or a difficult situation or something that we can really say, this is why I'm feeling like this, yeah. then, you know, that can... It's weird to think we should then su suppress it somehow when it feels so expected, proportionate, um, warranted, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a question to ask ourselves in that situation, right? Is Is this an appropriate response? I mean, it might be bigger than other people might have for this but fundamentally is it appropriate for me to feel an unpleasant feeling right now and and if it is then can that, i honor it yeah exactly yeah. yeah and and if other you know there will be some other people who can't tolerate that and that's okay that but that's about them. Yes. That's not about that's not about me and my feelings. And I feel we we need to come back to this phrase: what we resist persists. Yes. Often, often the suppression does not get rid. It doesn't suddenly magically, um, you know, wipe it away just because we've pushed it under the carpet. No. Like it just kind of piles up under the carpet until we've got a giant lump under the carpet. And with with some added guilt, then, because you know. B b b that's what that that's what comes with suppressing, right? Now we're guilty that we feel like that. Yeah. And so it, the need to process and honour mm -hmm. is often the helpful thing. I appreciate it for some people that is a very difficult thing. And yes. we talked about people that perhaps have suppressed for the majority of their lives. That's going to be harder to kind of suddenly say, oh, all you need to do is turn that tap back on and it'll be OK. Yeah, because that, you know, even if they could... That sounds unutterably scary, right? Because that is their because it's their way of being. They don't have the scaffolding around to 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 support them mm. doing feeling the feelings, right? So I, I mean, I would say this, wouldn't I? But that I, that feels to me like that specialist help needed right there. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's needed, isn't it, to have someone who knows 
how to put that scaffolding in place, how to talk that through with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there are times when I think that that is a, a, a needed and necessary way because your friends can't offer what a therapist can no. offer either. Like you said earlier, they'll be rushing in to fix or they'll be on your side about something, you know, they'll be biased in, in some way and that's not always helpful. No, yeah. no, absolutely, absolutely. So there is that there is that gentle pushing at the window of tolerance, right, rather than taking a running jump yeah. right out the window yeah. over the other side, um, which, which can be helpful, but learning how to do that is... Is, is is the trick, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think there's a kind of... So, for example, I had a difficult situation myself this week mm. and I was very emotional. Emotional in a way I haven't been... You know, since I can remember... I can't remember the last time I was that upset about something. I made a mistake, it affected someone else and it, the feeling was huge. Yeah. Like I felt sick to the pit of my stomach and all I could do was sob my heart out. But the act of allowing myself to do that rather than pretend I was okay. Now, the person who was affected did not want to see me upset. Like, it was annoying to them because it it had affected them. (laughs) But I sort of needed them to know that I was upset. But I also needed to not suppress my emotion just because they didn't want me to. So I, I removed myself from the situation because... I knew it was a bit upsetting for them to see me in um, in sadness, but I fully allowed the tap to be turned on, you know. And it's hard for other people to see their family member bawling their eyes out. Yeah, we do want to move in, but I'm glad that no one did because I knew that that was exactly what I needed to do. Yes. And had I tried not to cry. Had I tried to put the brave face on and push through it and, you know, it's not that deep, which it isn't in the grand scheme of things. And I knew all the things. I knew perspective would come. I knew I'd look at it and it would be okay. I knew that that somehow it would work out. But in that moment, that wasn't helping. No, no. And actually... It's cathartic to let the emotions out so that you can move to those stages. So it's not an either-or thing, yeah. right? It, it, it's a process. Um, and, and I think it, you're right that suppressing those emotions can often then lead, up, lead to guilt and shame, which can also then trigger other unpleasant feelings in us, right? So we can get quite... You know, in, in in my earlier days, I I could get really defensive if I'd made a mistake, and that could come out as angry rather than being able to own it. And and that and I know now that that was due to me suppressing my upset at at, at something I had done. Right, mm. but then we end up compounding the problem. So in order to move to acceptance and perspective, I think we have to allow ourselves to feel that initial hideous, hideous you know, <laughs> whoosh. And I think yeah. I'm, I'm struck by the fact, you know, people can't see, but you're kind of pointing to your body. This yeah. is a physiological reaction. Absolutely. Some chemical stuff is going on as a result of the fear of mm. the mistake or the anger at myself for making the mistake or whatever it is. Yeah. And that needs dealing with that rush of adrenaline rush, when exactly. you realize what you've done yeah you know so the crying was actually a physiological yeah. like shaking out of yes plus i went for a big march 
because I knew it was needed, I got myself out and yeah. just stomped around. Yeah. Because sometimes we have a tendency within the suppression to do nothing at all, and that's not chemically good for us. No, you need to burn off that adrenaline and the cortisol, right? So that that your prefrontal cortex can do its thing. Yeah, so it's exactly what we talk about, about bringing back this rational, logical perspective, blah, 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 that comes from the prefrontal cortex um, that isn't available to us in that moment of panic or big emotion or whatever, something else has taken over. Um, And it's... It feels really important to just deal with the physical stuff first. Mm. And often, because we're at work or because we're in a crowd of people, we don't have or don't feel it's possible to do that. And I totally get that. So at the first opportunity to kind of give ourselves full permission to wail or to just shout swear words very loudly or something that's going to make us feel better going for a good old march yeah. if that's available to us feels really helpful um you know there's a lot of uh, kind of shaking out stuff it's dogs yeah. that reset their nervous system by doing a big old shake isn't it and i think actually we can benefit from all of that stuff before we even start to do the the emo- like mental processing if yeah you like. no i agree if, if we can do something physical i think there is something about needing to burn off yeah. all of that adrenaline that's that's so important as you're speaking i'm i'm reminded that that there are occasions where i need to vent and and i kind of i have to prompt my husband so the prompt is i'm going to speak this is not something you can fix your response needs to be poor you or there, some there. some such you know <laughs> but 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 i just need to get this out in whatever way it comes however however bizarre or trite or You're worried about me yes. you might be seeing me behaving like a banshee just for two minutes yeah yeah and i think you know that that comes back to my earlier point about knowing knowing who you can do that with yeah. you know picking somebody who can bear it yeah <laughs> i think that's really important isn't it and i think then that trust that mm. there isn't going to be some kind of judgment yeah um, so it it yeah knowing that it's a safe person yeah um, to express that stuff with and it can't that can't be everybody because you know for some people seeing us that distressed is so intolerable that they're so desperate to make it okay that actually what that ends up doing is either meaning that we suppress or kind of feeding it you know that that they're now full of righteous indignation on our behalf and that just you know (laughs) that just makes the whole thing worse no Yeah, because it prolongs it. Yeah, absolutely. We're feeding and fueling it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, we've started to touch on what we can do about it. But I think one of the other things is also to go slowly, particularly if it's coming from a really big thing. If it's something like a bereavement or a loss, you know, a huge thing, I think just going slowly in the expressing our feelings and, uh, and, 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 and re-engaging with the world at a pace that feels okay for us, regardless of the rules that other people put on that, I think is really important. Yeah, and I think knowing that these processes aren't always linear either. No. It's not going to just slowly get a bit better and a bit better and a bit better. There'll be days or cycles or whatever where our, we mentioned earlier, the window of tolerance or yes. whatever, it 
it might be bigger on some days. We might have a capacity to bear more and be able to feel, a bit, oh, actually, you know what? I don't feel quite as bad. And then a week later, we might find ourselves feeling a bit worse again. So that expectation that it's not going to just take a, a really linear pathway, yeah. um, that it, it will be what it will be kind of thing. I think that's that's important too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think that's hugely important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and with that comes, you know, what's okay right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, that, you know, that... The, being able to to explore what we can tolerate um, at, in this moment and not assume that 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 that's for good now uh, or how it should be yeah. is over there somewhere. Yeah, I'm struck by and perhaps not with regards to bereavement because I, I think that's something slightly separate and mm. and unique. Um, but I'm struck by the benefit of age in knowing. Yes. And really knowing that things do get easier. Yeah, that this too shall pass. That this too shall pass. And yes. that when you see teenagers, young adults in big sort of emotional distress, breaking up with partners or whatever, those emotions feel so unbearably huge that it almost kind of feels like there's never going to be a, a way out or, a, you know, yeah. it's never going to come to an end. Yes. And, um, you know, in fact... I was doing an unpleasant moments thing in teaching this week and everybody said, you know, what if this stays like this forever, you know? Mm. Um, and I think sometimes we have that fear, but knowing that how many times we've been through difficult and come out the other side and been through difficult and come out the other side, um, it doesn't mean that the difficult stuff goes away, but the tolerance of the difficult stuff or what has happened to us in our lives becomes a bit more bearable. Yeah. And the the better we become or the more adept we become at really allowing ourselves to go through it and to process it, Mm -hmm. it does strengthen us. It really does. And I think it is that difference between thinking that that is us, we are the distress, and with with age and experience maybe, that this is something we are experiencing. And, 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 And that feels like a subtle but really important difference. Yeah. So it's like anxiety is here. Yes. Rather than I am anxious person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can think that can really help. And knowing we're not a fixed Mm. non changing entity. That our everything changes all the time. Yes, that we are always in a state of change and that we are always developing and growing and Absolutely. And that and that is we you know, we are the sum of our experiences, but we're always adding more experiences. And, and that does change us as we as we move through life. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're kind of saying, let's not suppress emotion. No. As best we can, can we allow ourselves to feel it, but in a way that feels okay for us, yes. with people that it's okay to express in front of, um, and to go gently and slowly, and know that things get better, yeah. actually. Things yeah. Pass. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, I hope that's helpful. Yeah, me too. That felt great. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to It's Not That Deep with Adrienne Kirk and Lucy Woods. If you've enjoyed listening, then why not subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode?